This is an ABC podcast. Willy Wagtails are this small bird with the black body and this bright white belly. They've also got white eyebrows that they can flare really wide. They have this long tail that they wag back and forth, which is how they got their name. And they just have a lot of personality. They have this twinkling little song that people often say sounds like they're saying, sweet, pretty creature. And if you get too close to them, they make this rattle-like scolding noise that everyone that's been too close to their nest would be familiar with. Ashton Dickerson is a PhD student in the Urban Light Lab at the University of Melbourne, which is on the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Bunwarung people. She's looking into nocturnal bird songs. And I'm not talking about owls and the like. I'm talking about little songbirds that are otherwise up in the daytime. Why is it that they sing in the night? Well, Ashton has been recording and analysing hundreds of hours of willy wagtail songs, and she's agreed to share some of the findings that she has so far with us here at Off Track. I'm Dr Ann Jones, and let's get this started. Willy 101. Willy wagtails like basically anywhere where there's some nice thick vegetation for them to be protected, but also some grass where they can use that to forage for the insects that they eat. So you'll often see them running around on the grass, but they'll also glean, which is grabbing insects right out of the air. So that's really interesting to watch them fly around and grab moths out of the air for a meal. Willy wagtails are territorial, so that means during their breeding season, which is spring and summer, they form pairs. They find a territory and they protect that for the season. Do they come back to the same pair in subsequent seasons or is it something where they sort of mix and match over the course of their lifespan? There's definitely a combination of both. An interesting thing about the willy wagtails is we're not too sure what they do over winter. So there's some evidence that they might move away for winter or at least in southern areas we see that willy wagtails might migrate away for winter and then return for spring and summer. I have seen pairs of willy wagtails stay together for multiple years but I've also seen other willy wagtails who will have a different partner every year. So it's a bit of a mix and match. I found when I would work in the field watching these willy wagtails that it seemed that they knew who I was. As part of my research, I'd follow the breeding efforts of willy wagtails. So I would be checking their nests now and then just to see how many eggs they have, how they're going. But obviously willy wagtails aren't too happy when you go near their nests and they would associate me with that. So when they'd see me coming, I would get those angry scolds directed at me. And in some cases, I had willy wagtails that would swoop me. They knew it was me. They weren't doing it to other people. But they are very smart little birds, I think, willy wagtails. Willy wagtails are interesting because they're a diurnal species, which means they're mostly active during the day, but they do sing at night. Why would a bird that's up all day then want to sing all night. But what makes the story extra interesting is that there's a lot of folklore around it. People have for a long time believed that willy wagtails will sing more during a full moon. 
but it was never backed by science. It was always just anecdotes and storytelling. I really wanted to dive into that and find out whether or not it was true. And of course, willies aren't the only ones. Magpies sing at night, like in this bit of audio sent in to me at Off Track from Jacinta in Warrnambool in Victoria. And given how obsessed we are with bird songs and we have been forever and ever, it's sort of surprising how little we know about it. Historically, research on birdsong has largely focused on males and it's also largely been conducted in the Northern Hemisphere. And of course, a lot of the research has been conducted on daytime song and that makes perfect sense. You know, it's hard to go out in the middle of the night and record birdsong. But given the technological advances, now that we have a way to leave recorders outside in the field, that allows us to measure this nighttime song as well. There's a really small amount of research that's actually examined this nighttime singing. It's less than 5% of all of the research on avian vocalizations or birdsong. Birdsong has two main functions, the first of which is territory defence. The second main reason that birds sing is for mate attraction. So birdsong can act as like a flashy display to show off your quality and how great and how bold you are. Birds can use either their song rate, which is how often they're singing, or they can use a variety of different songs to show off that they might have a large repertoire of songs. These can both be ways that birds can show off their individual quality. And hopefully that will lead them to finding a mate for the breeding season. But of course, that doesn't explain the whole nighttime thing. Why would a bird, otherwise active in the day, stay up all night? seemingly singing to the moon. Some people think that nighttime singing is just an artifact of a bright street light or a really bright moon that confuses birds into thinking that it's time to start singing. Just how bright can the light be at night? I mean, do the willy wagtails need a full moon to turn into werewillies? Yeah, a night sky with a full moon is more than a hundredfold brighter than a night sky with no moon at all. But then when you're thinking about artificial light at night, street lights and lights on houses and cars can be up to more than 30 times brighter than what wildlife would ever be exposed to in a naturally dark area. Sometimes when I have heard magpies calling at night, I've often wondered if they're actually singing in their sleep. Now, is, is that the stupidest idea ever? It's a really interesting idea, actually. You know, I'm not sure, but there are some birds that can fly when they're asleep. And birds have really different sleep than humans. They have a sort of micro-sleep. We sleep in eight-hour blocks, you know, if you're lucky. Um, but birds might have a different tactic where they sleep with lots of short little periods instead. But, yeah, it's an interesting idea. I guess it's not impossible for them to be able to sing in their sleep, but no one's ever thought about that or looked into it. Well, scientists, if you ever need any frankly unanswerable but entirely whimsical questions about nature, get in touch with me at Off Track because I've got a whole brain full of them. If you've ever been camping, I'm sure you were woken up right on sunrise with all the birds singing. 
if you've been lucky enough to experience a dawn chorus, you would know that it can be incredibly loud when all the species are singing exactly at the same time. But at night, it's so quiet. It's a great time to sing and have your message heard without having to compete with those other species. But also, it's also a lot quieter at night in the cities too. There's a different kind of noise profile in the city. You know, you're competing with cars. That's a really noisy one. Or humans talking, everything, just generic city noise. But that largely disappears at nighttime. So perhaps by singing at night, you remove that competition and you get a chance to be singing loud and clearly for everyone to hear. For example, listen to this morning chorus from one of Ashton's recordings. Red wattle birds, blackbirds and magpie, even a striped marsh frog making that talk sound. And then, a recording of a willy singing into the night air. No competition for sound space, just pure willy. Ashton Dickerson is writing a PhD about how light might affect birdsong. And in particular, she's looking at the sweet, pretty little wagtail and what they're up to in the middle of the night. So step one was to find where willy wagtails are singing. So I spent a lot of time out in the field in the middle of the night searching for these willy wagtail song posts. But once I found them, I was able to use these recorders that are specifically designed to be used outdoors for long periods of time. I would attach a recorder to the tree where the willy wagtails were singing and I would be able to leave it there for an entire lunar cycle. I found that if you record near water, you're bound to get a lot of crickets and bugs. So that's something I've learned. But also, I definitely picked up other species. Magpies, obviously, that's a common one that people know sing at night. But also the Eurasian coot, which is a water bird, they call a lot at night. So we had a few different species on there, which was really interesting. And even fairy wrens too, now that I think about it. Superb fairy wren was in there now and then. And brush-tailed possums? Magpie geese? And you can hear microbats too. And this epic little set of sounds that I found in one of the recordings that Ashton sent me. There's a masked lapwing and a hunting free-tailed bat. Now, if you're lucky enough to still hear in this range, you can actually hear how its echolocation ticks get closer together. That sound is the bat zeroing in on something. Maybe a prey item. Let me play it again. There's also a female fox crying out, letting everyone know she's feeling frisky. And a superb fairy wren singing in the night at the same time as the bat. And all of that happens in the space of 20 seconds. But one of the other things I would sometimes get is curious critters chomping on my microphone. I assume it was possums, but there would be some times that I would go back to my recorders and find 
that the microphone had been chewed on. Not ideal, but I did get some funny recordings of chomping on microphones. <laughs> anyway, back to the willies. So from my recordings, I collected 500 hours of nighttime audio, which is absolutely excellent. But of course, I can't listen to that much audio. That would take a really long time. So instead, I used something called automatic song detection software. Okay, song, move, orange, orange, silver, moves, moves, second song, moves, moves. So just like we can train moves. technology moves. to recognise human voice, that also works with birds. Second song, moves. Second song, moves. So I was able to create these templates of Willy Wagtail songs, these little clippets of songs, and put them in the software, which would then go through all of my audio and tell me when they were singing and how often they were singing too. So by using my automatic song detection software, I was able to find out whether or not they were singing on a particular night, but also if they were singing, how much they were singing what their song rate was. So when birds sing, they will often sing in bouts. And what that means is there'll be a series of songs. They might sing for, say, five minutes and then have a break. I recorded the length of these song bouts in nocturnal singing, and I found that on average they sing for about 10 minutes at a time. And then they have a break of roughly 20 minutes. But there's a lot of variation. Sometimes they might sing just one song. Sometimes they might sing for an entire hour. But on average, they'll sing for 10 minutes at a time. Another fun thing with the automatic song detection software was that I was able to use it to find out whether it was males or females that were singing at night. By recording birds during the day that I knew were male or female, I could then create these little templates of their songs to put into the program and then find out whether it was the male or the female songs that were matching to the nighttime singing on that territory. Mops. Here's a recording of Ashton recording the individual birds singing in the daytime. That was Mops. Mops, in this case, refers to the rings on the individual bird's legs. Mops is mauve, orange, pink, silver. Mops. Mops. Moo. And moose is a male. Moose. Mauve, orange, orange, silver. Moose. Mops. Moose. This is where the computer is so much better than us. I can't pick the individual. I did this with something like 1,500 different songs that I'd recorded at night, and I found that almost always they were matching to the male individual. So it's likely that it's just the male singing at night and maybe there was a little bit of error in my software, or females might sing very rarely at night, but it's definitely mostly males. So am I understanding correctly in saying that you sort of trained your software to do voice recognition for individual male and female willy wagtails because it was the individuals that you were detecting, not a male song versus a female song per se? Exactly right. So we were matching it down to individual birds. There's enough difference between each individual bird 
each male, each female, one male compared to another male, that this software can be used to track it down to an individual willy wagtail. Moose. Here is Moose singing in the day. Moose. Moose. And here he is, where wagtailing through the night. From the birds that I've recorded, they often have two main song types. So there's two different kinds of songs they'll sing, but it does vary a bit between individuals as well. Some birds will come up with their own new songs, whereas others will only stick to the two main ones. But again, there's a bit of variation. Some willy wagtails might add extra syllables, so their song is a little bit longer, or they might even delete syllables and have a shorter song. Can you hear the difference? Yeah, it's hard. I can't really. So I've slowed them right down for you. It might be hard to differentiate because of the pitch, perhaps. So here's what they're like if I lower the pitch. This should make it easier for you to hear the different length and the different amount of syllables in the calls of this female. Another way that they can alter their song is by adjusting the frequency or the pitch. So they might sing the same song, but at a higher frequency or sometimes at a lower frequency. So this one is a little bit lower. And this one is higher pitched. And if I manipulate the sounds to bring these calls down a whole octave on the piano, you can hear the difference even more clearly. And all this, the timing, pitch, syllables, it all comes together as a repertoire for each individual. So here's one male's full repertoire all lined up in a row. Yeah, it all sounds like high-pitched willy wagtails, right? But if I give it the Ann Jones treatment, slow it down and lower it, you really start to hear how complex the willy song can be. And this is all just from one creative male. Sounds a bit like a butcher bird, actually. And when you were looking over these recordings of the bats, were you finding that it was just one male singing or could you hear song wars that were happening in the middle of the night? Yeah, so it was really interesting to find out that these willy wagtails, when they do sing at night, they're singing in choruses. And what that means is it's not just one male willy wagtail singing, but it's also his neighbour and the willy wagtail that lives next to them and the willy wagtail that lives next to them. They're all singing at the same time. This suggests there might be some sort of acoustic competition that's happening. There's a reason for them to all be singing at the same time. In fact, I remember the first time I went out into the field to hear Willy Wagtail singing at night, and I was astounded 
by how many birds were actually singing all together all at once. It was just magical. And it's similar to what we see in the dawn chorus every morning. It's a time when they all come together and sing all at the same time. Did you find a correlation between the moon and the singing? Yes, we found a significant correlation between nocturnal song rate, so that's how much they're singing, and the brightness of the moon. Can you tell me then what you believe is the impetus behind nocturnal singing? What are they what are these males trying to achieve? Yeah, so I have a couple theories. I think because we do see the chorusing or that acoustic competition that it could very well be a way for them to confirm where their territories are. But I also believe that it could play a function in mate attraction. Woolly wagtails are interesting because they sing at night before pairing but also after pairing. Um, So a lot of birds are socially monogamous and that means that there'll be a male and a female and they'll raise chicks together and defend a territory together. But surprisingly, most birds actually also mate with pairs outside of their pair. So what that means is that while there's a male and a female that live together on a territory, they may be sneakily jumping over next door to visit one of their neighbours. This is what we call extra pair paternity. So if you have a nest that has three eggs in it, it's quite possible that one of those eggs, two of those eggs, or even all of them may have been fathered by a male that doesn't actually live on that territory. Then that gets interesting because a male doesn't want to raise someone else's chicks you know, at least in the bird world. So if he finds out or has any suspicions that the chicks in his nest may not belong to him, there's a chance that he might actually reduce his care and the effort he puts into raising them. To get around that, we see in some other species, such as the superb fairy wren, the females will actually sneak off their territory before the sun comes up. They'll sneak next door or wherever they're going, before sunrise in the dark. And we believe that might be a way for them to have these extra pair matings without being caught by their partner. We also believe willy wagtails might be singing at night to potentially attract these extra pair matings. So if it's similar to what we see in the superb fairy wrens, perhaps female willy wagtails fly around at night. And maybe that's why they sing most during a full moon, because that's when visibility is at its best. Who knew that Willie's sex life was so complicated? This research raised a lot of really interesting questions for me. So our findings from this paper show that Willie wagtails sing more with increasing moonlight. But this study was done in the country areas where they're not exposed to artificial light at night, such as streetlights. The results from this research has led me to wonder what happens when willy wagtails do live in areas with a lot of light pollution. So the rest of my thesis, I'll be exploring what those effects might be, whether it changes how willy wagtails behave in their nighttime singing, and whether it could potentially be harming them in any way. So for example, if a willy wagtail lives somewhere 
that's really noisy and then no one can hear them singing or say if there's a lot of light and that makes them really at risk to predation then perhaps they sing less and maybe then they'll be less successful at finding a mate at the start of that breeding season or maintaining their pair bond throughout the breeding season these things could lead to reduced chances of having any offspring at all it could potentially lead to basically the species being out of sync with each other because it's such an important behavior if we see changes it could potentially change the system Willy Wagtail's behavioural systems. Ashton Dickerson is looking into Willy Wagtail song at night for her PhD at the University of Melbourne. And what an absolute legend. She provided heaps of sound for me to use to make this program. So thank you, Ashton. And remember, if you've got recordings, we love to listen to them. Send us an email. The address is offtrack at abc.net.au. My name's Dr Ann Jones and this has been a pleasurable, sonambulous sort of stroll through the world of were-willies and next time on Off Track, I'll take you somewhere else. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.